Hi, I'm James Anderson Foster, and you're listening to Who's Afraid, a weekly podcast of awesome serialized horror fiction written by amazing authors, performed for you by professional narrators, and brought to you by SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy. Chapter 12 I think I see it, Ted said, breaking their silence. The harsh cry of a night bird echoed over the tops of the trees. We're really going up there? Susan asked. Of course. Why the hell did we come all this way if we're just going to turn around? He grabbed her hand and kissed it playfully. Come on! Let's just wait here for a second, she said. Let me catch my breath. Are you okay? Ted asked, concerned. You look pale. I'm okay, she lied. Just tired. I know, it's been a long night. A long night? It's been an eternity of long nights. Ted looked at the winding road leading up to the resort inside. It was sometimes tricky navigating that road in the car, but walking was going to be a nightmare. Nearly a mile of hairpin turns on a steady incline to the parking lot. It looked strange in the near-perfect darkness. The overhead lamps had gone out, and the usual smell of wood fires was oddly absent. Something's wrong, Susan muttered. The storm must have knocked the power out, Ted replied. No, that's not it. Susie, are you sure you're okay? Your hand is shaking. Yes. No. I don't know. I don't like it here. It feels wrong. It's just the resort, babe. What's gotten you so skittish? Susan struggled with the idea of trying to get through to him, make him remember what had happened, but she didn't see a point. It would just make her seem even crazier. She still smelled the ash from Julie's body clinging to her skin, but Ted was oblivious, lost. I don't know, I'm sure it's nothing. If you want to wait here, I can go alone, make a few calls. I'm sure the resort security won't mind coming down to pick you up. And wait here in the dark all alone? Are you crazy? This dark is different. It's a darker dark. Ted was concerned by his wife's behavior. Too many hours on the road had apparently worn her nerves down to a nub. He'd seen her this way before, and it never ended well. They couldn't stand in the road all night and wait for someone to save them. They needed to act. Suddenly, the sky lit with a brilliant white light, followed by the shrill, warbling siren they'd heard in the forest. A ball of white flame rose into the air and hovered above the resort. Ted watched it like a young boy at a fireworks display as Susan clutched at his arm. It was obvious by Ted's demeanor that he had no previous remembrance of the lights from the forest. Susan remembered all too well and still had no explanation for their seemingly random appearance. In the distance, a chorus of dogs howled into the night. See, baby, someone's up there, he smiled. Susan tried wearing a brief smile, but it died on her lips. The ball of light flickered and vanished. The phenomenon was not repeated. That was weird, Ted mumbled. What do you think that was? Susan shrugged, refusing to answer. Let's go find out, huh? 
if that's what you want. They approached the driveway, glancing at the large green sign at the base of the road. Pine Lakes Resort and Campground, established 1968. Enjoy your stay. It was the first familiar thing Susan had seen in ages, but the jury was still out on how it made her feel. They began the journey, steadily climbing the mountain as the road wound through tall pine trees. There wasn't a sound, not a breath of wind stirred in the canopy as thick clouds swirled overhead. They hadn't outrun the storm after all. Susan just hoped they'd reach shelter before they were trapped outside. She felt like she'd never be warm again. I love this place, Ted said. Seriously, if I could stay here forever, I would. Susan cringed at his words. I'm fine with just visiting. It always smells so fresh, so clean, not the smell of exhaust and people living on top of each other. It's just the atmosphere, you know? The fun of roughing it, he laughed. Hot dogs on the fire, cold beers on the porch, the sound of the lake rippling and lulling you to sleep. It's kind of poetic, don't you think? I hope they held our reservations. I know we're late, but I'm sure they'd understand the circumstances. I don't know, babe. I certainly hope so. There's no point ruining the entire weekend. At least we can get a good night's sleep and worry about this other shit in the morning when we're well-rested. Ted was seemingly happy enough to talk for the both of them. Susan's replies were short, often nothing more than grunts of agreement. Her skin tingled. Her eyes burned from weariness, yet she never felt more awake in her life. Ted just went on prattling about the forest, the lake, and the food at the lodge as if it was any other day, not a nightmare from a Wes Craven film. And I could die happy, Ted said. What? Susan asked. What did you say? Oh, nothing, just thinking out loud. I said if I could just sleep for about twelve hours and get some top sirloin from the lodge, I could die happy. Don't talk like that. Like what? Susan, are you sure you're okay because you're really out in left field? Did you hurt your head in the crash? You're not seeing double, are you? No, Ted, I'm fine. I just don't want you to talk about dying. Please. We're all going to die, baby. Just a fact of life. We might as well enjoy it while we're here and still young enough to make the most of it. I'm not enjoying it right now. Not any of it. My feet hurt, my legs are killing me, and I'm starting to stink. You're still beautiful, he said. A little sweat and road grime aren't going to change that. It's a bit more than that. There might be a massage in this for you, he said, winking. I know I could use one. You have a deal. Ted squeezed her hand and carried on as the first cold droplets fell from the sky and pattered the surface of the road. Come on! Ted shouted. We can make it before it gets bad. They jogged the rest of the way, reaching the parking lot just as the sky opened. They stood there, silent and motionless as the sky cried frigid tears. It wasn't anything like they'd hoped. Susan felt the remainder of her energy drain from her body like blood from a wound. What is this? Ted asked. Susan didn't have words to answer. The parking lot was completely empty and covered in layers of dead leaves. Brown shoots of tall grass hugged the concrete foundations of long-dead light poles, swaying in the wind that suddenly whipped across the lot. 
The log cabin used as the admission office had been punched flat by a massive tree that had fallen across its roof. The branching roads and paths leading to the campsites, cabins, and lodge were barely discernible in the thick weeds and brush that had grown through the crushed gravel roadway. Ted scratched his head and sighed shakily. What's going on here? Susan peered into the forest, unable to shake the feeling they were being watched. She saw shapes out of the corners of her eyes, hiding behind trees and in the overgrown brush. Dark shapes with human forms. When she tried looking at them directly, they vanished. She questioned if they were there at all. Ted, do you see this? This isn't right, he said, ignoring her. It can't be. At the dark edge of the parking lot, eyes suddenly blinked open, flickering like candles, watching them intently. Susan counted over forty sets of eyes of all shapes and sizes. Some huddled in groups while others were spread out over the entire width of the tree line. This is crazy, Ted said. He was so focused on the condition of the resort he hadn't noticed they'd acquired an audience. Come on, let's find the lodge. Maybe there's someone who can help us. Susan didn't believe it, but losing Ted now wasn't an option. He was already far too close to the edge. The lodge? Sure, there should be a phone there. He spoke quietly, swaying in the wind gusts that threatened to blow him over. I don't understand, Susie. I don't get it. Don't worry about it now, she said. Let's go, okay? I don't want to be out here in the open. In the open? It's just a parking lot. Is it really? Where are the cars, Ted? Where are the people? I'm not talking about the ones hiding in the bushes, either. Ted scanned the forest but saw nothing. Their visitors had gone. What are you talking about? Susan groaned and shook her head. Nothing. I just want to move, okay? Could the storm have shut the place down? Did they evacuate? Ted, please, listen to me. Something is wrong. I know you don't believe me or you don't remember, but you have to listen to me. We need to go. Go? Where? This doesn't make any sense. You're not making any sense. Now is not the time for you to be stubborn, she shouted. If you need to check the lodge, let's go. I'm not going to stand around and wait for something to happen. Another of the balls of light shot into the air, followed by the now familiar siren. The pale, white light illuminated other buildings that lie hidden behind the thick growth. The overall sense of rot and ruin was only solidified. Pained cries echoed from the forest. Screams, howls, whispered mutterings. The ball of light faded and slipped beneath the tops of the trees, sizzling and crackling with dying energy. There, Ted shouted. There's someone else here. He took off running, leaving Susan to struggle behind. An overgrown path led deeper into the campground. Ted followed a chorus of mumbling voices, calling out to them, pleading for help. The voices kept changing direction, making it impossible to judge their location. But still Ted continued on, tripping over rocks and tearing his skin open on low-hanging branches. Ted, please, Susan shouted. Wait for me. Don't leave me behind. Susan, come on, they're here. Somewhere. I can hear them. Stay away from them. Don't go near them, please. Come on, they're just ahead. They're right over the hill. 
Susan didn't realize she'd been crying until her vision blurred and doubled. She felt them closing in around her, whispering what sounded like warnings. She got turned around as her vision trembled. She tripped over a fallen tree and fell face first into the layer of wet leaves. The bushes reached out and grabbed her clothing like clutching fingers, and no matter how hard she struggled, she only became more confined. In the darkness, hands reached for her, brushing her clothing and the feverish skin of her face. They grabbed her, pulling her deeper into the shadows. Somewhere ahead, Ted called out to her frantically, but she couldn't find the breath to respond. A freezing cold hand covered her mouth as she was tugged further and further away from the path. Bright lights exploded overhead, a supernatural fireworks display. Susan couldn't help but stare into the night sky as one after another, the balls of light bellowed their shrill song. The cacophonous swirl of sirens mixed with the light Raspy mutterings of her captors lulled her into a pleasant darkness. Her eyes fluttered and closed as the night claimed her. She thought of Ted, then nothing. Ted rushed to the top of the hill, flailing wildly to keep his balance. He fell to his knees and caught his first glimpse of the resort laid out below. The voices stopped, plunging the circle of cabins into silence. Where the hell did you go? He wailed. I know you're here. Why are you hiding from me? Someone laughed nearby, a deep, throaty chuckle that was carried away on the wind. Panting, he got to his feet and descended the small hill. Blackened fire pits dotted the overgrowth, cold and dead. The cabins were in various states of abandonment. Some of their doors were left open, swinging in the wind. Dry leaves skated across their porches and collected on the dusty floors of empty rooms. Not a soul moved. Susan! Ted screamed. Susan, where are you? He remained motionless, listening for the sound of approaching feet, but heard nothing. Where the hell did she go? Susan! He repeated. Here! I'm over here! Nothing. Ted called for her over and over again his voice growing raspy and harsh. She was right behind me, he said aloud. Right fucking there. His voice rolled over the hills and dissipated, carried away on the wind. But it was the other voice he heard clearly. A woman's voice. Susie, is that you? Where are you, baby? The female voice was repeated, but it didn't sound like Susan. It was so familiar. Who is that? he called. Where are you? Come closer, it beckoned. Where? Susan? Who is that? Closer. I need to find my wife, he cried. Where's Susan? Susan! he wailed. He stood in the circle of darkened cabins and felt the world spinning around him. Two hundred yards to his right, Ted saw a dim, yellow light flicker to life on the expansive porch of the Pine Lakes Lodge. He sped off into the night, oblivious of the shadows that crept in around him from all sides. He tripped over a large rock and tumbled to the ground, slamming his head hard enough on the packed dirt to see stars. He stood and fell back, his head swimming with dull pain. He reached a hand to his scalp, 
and it came away covered in a thin coating of blood. He battled unconsciousness. The shapes of the trees and cabins were outlined with a dull, pinkish-white aura as multicolored bursts of light flashed before his eyes. Stand up, Ted, ever so close. He stood several times, only to collapse to the forest floor. The pain in his skull made him dizzy and disconnected. His stomach rolled with bitter acid. He planted his feet and stood slowly, fighting the urge to vomit. He steadied himself against the trunk of a giant oak tree and shook his head as a thin trickle of blood dribbled from beneath his hair and down the back of his neck. You can do this, he said, one step at a time. Ted dragged himself forward, staggering on the open path leading to the lodge's steps. A bright light flashed before him, and in its glow stood a large, ragged-looking man holding a rusty machete. The man growled and held his weapon above his head as Ted raised his hands to block the incoming blow. The light flashed again, and the man disappeared just before the blade could slice through Ted's flesh. What the fuck? Ted whined. I know you. What is this? The path of memory, a female voice said. Memory, he whispered. Memory of what? Everything. How you got here. In another flash of light, a pale, gangly creature with unseeing eyes shambled toward him from the dark. It screamed with rage, bounding toward him in a blur, a vision seen through a cloudy pane of glass. The sewer, Ted whispered as the creature vanished. Oh my God, Jack, the town, Emma. It was all real. All real, Ted. A naked woman stood along the path, smiling sadly. Julie? I remember. Susan was right about everything, Ted cried harshly, loud, fitful sobs that made the pain in his head throb with new life. I'm so sorry, he whimpered. I'm sorry we left you behind. You have your path to follow, and I have mine. Julie blackened and crumbled into a pile of thick, black ash that blew away on the wind. I don't understand, he wailed. Where's Susan? Off the path, a pair of red taillights glowed brightly, flickered, and went out. Come, the female voice demanded. I need to find my wife, he screamed at the disembodied voice. I'm not leaving without Susan. That's not up to you, dogs howled in the distance an awful, sad, pitiful bray. I remember it all, every second. A group of children appeared on the path ahead, smiling sweetly. Pale faces turned to watch his advance. They were quickly replaced by the vision of an old woman sitting in a rickety rocking chair and sipping at a cup of steaming liquid. You just keep moving along, she said. There's no point staying where you're not wanted. Not wanted? Emma? Where's Susan? Where's my wife? I don't have all of the answers, Ted. No one does. The vision faded and rose into the air in a puff of white mist. The path was dark, stretching out before him to the foot of the lodge. His head throbbed and his skin was slick with foul-smelling sweat. Ted's feet had grown heavy, 
dragging in the leaves and clumps of moss and mud. It felt like an eternity had passed when Ted finally reached the wide wooden stairs at the front of the lodge. A single candle burned on the railing, illuminating the porch in a pleasant orange glow. The tall, double doors remained closed. What do I do? Ted cried. The choice is ultimately yours, the voice said. Ted crawled up the remaining steps on his hands and knees, panting and sick from the pain in his skull. He propped himself up against the banister and tried to catch his breath. Is Susan in there? he asked. He received no reply. The trees were whipped into a frenzy as the storm arrived in earnest. Sheets of rain spattered the lodge and quickly soaked through Ted's clothing. He slid away from the edge of the porch and sat against the wall next to the entrance, cocking his head, listening closely for any signs of movement inside. Ted wiped tears from his face and slowly stood. He grabbed for the brass handles and pushed the latch. The doors screeched open on rusty hinges, revealing the dark, musty interior of the giant hall. Ted crossed the threshold and walked inside as the doors clacked closed behind him. The darkness enveloped him. Susan opened her eyes to the sound of distant crying. Far away, thunder rumbled and shook the foundation of the building. As her eyes adjusted, the small room came into focus. Rain pattered the dusty floor through a broken window. A rusted bed frame sat on her left, devoid of sheets or mattress. The mounted head of a large buck stared at her from the wall its rack festooned in cobwebs. She stood and wiped thick dust from her palms as the shrill cry repeated. The sound was muffled, but close. Where the hell was Ted? The building groaned around her as she slid along the wall, feeling in the dark for a way out. The room was claustrophobic, and for just a moment, Susan panicked. She was trapped. What if Jack had caught up to her after all? What if he'd taken her prisoner for the perverse use of his twisted clientele? Susan's hand bumped the doorknob with a metallic rattle as she exhaled a relieved breath. She turned it in her sweaty hand and the door opened silently into a dimly lit hallway. Lights flickered along the walls. Electric candles coated in dust. Doors were lined up on either side as far as she could see, dozens of them extending the length of the hall in both directions. Various noises emanated from the rooms, from the commonplace to the truly bizarre. One of them must be a way out. The first door she tried was locked. Behind it, dogs barked and wailed and moaned in the distance. Behind the second locked door, scattered mutterings and hushed warnings, the sound of children hiding from their parents to escape punishment. After several more tries, Susan found an unlocked door. She cracked it open and put her ear in the gap, but heard nothing more than falling rain. She pushed the door open further and stared out into the rain-swept darkness. Gasping, Susan stepped back and shook her head. It was the main street of Pine Lakes. Across the flooding street stood a group of figures in tattered clothing, huddled around a flaming barrel. One turned and smiled through broken teeth its head nothing but a skull covered in fine wisps of greasy hair. It reached out a skeletal hand and pointed as laughter echoed hollowly from its fleshless mouth.
So you've come to your senses, the skeleton cackled. Oh my God, Susan moaned. Jack? In the flesh, he joked. Well, not exactly. The group of skeletons turned and clattered across the street on filthy, splintered phalanges, an army of the long dead. Susan slammed the door and backed away, bumping into the wall behind her. Through the door came the sounds of angry cries and the light, papery scratching of their skinless fingers. The door shuddered in its frame, but held. Susan stumbled down the hallway, trying the knobs on other doors as she passed, but most remained closed. After a dozen attempts, another door opened into the darkness. A gassy, rotting stench of the sewer assaulted her senses. Her eyes burned and watered at the swampy stink. In the recess of the shadowy cavern, shiny, waxy faces turned in her direction and began running toward her, tripping over one another in their enthusiasm for warm meat. The cavern trembled and filled with the crescendoing roar of water and the approach of something most foul and ravenously hungry. On a wave of filthy, turgid water swam the bloated, slime-coated abomination that had taken Julie into the sewer's depths. The sewer dragon, Fang, guardian of the underworld. It swept forward on the surge of water, lightning fast, reptilian eyes burning with orange flame. With a massive head, it swept bodies aside like toys, pausing briefly to crunch on the bones of those in the way. The reeking water reached Susan first, bursting through the doorway and filling the hall, turning it into an indoor river. She splashed away, sputtering as the soupy torrent filled her mouth and choked her. She struggled to her feet and braced herself for the monster's thick jaws to crush her into paste, but the death blow never came. Susan peeked through her fingers and shuddered. The doorway was filled with a single giant eye. The creature squinted at her, its diamond-shaped pupil dilating. The sour odor of stagnant water wafted through the door and filled the hallway with a thick, noxious funk. Water continued pouring through the doorway and sloshing around her ankles, running in either direction like a storm-clogged gutter. With a grunt and a splash, the reptile god turned and made quick work of the albino monsters cowering in the shadows. Susan splashed away from the door, confident she wouldn't be followed. Whatever this place was, it seemed these doors were one-way glimpses into the other. Now, if she could only find a way out of here before the hall flooded. The next door opened on nothing. Not precisely nothing, but a noticeably barren landscape devoid of life. A red sky swirled over rocky fields. A black ocean of oily water lapped at a broken coastline as lightning forked across the alien sky. Susan slammed the door quickly, afraid the pure emptiness would suck her in and rob her of what sanity remained. Susan sloshed down the hall, checking doors quickly, afraid of what she'd find waiting behind them. The rank water had risen to her calves. Behind the next working door was the interior of Emma's cabin. Pleasant heat drifted into the hall and warmed her skin. The spicy aroma of the woman's tea was a welcome one compared to the water's cold, bitter tang. For a second, Susan thought of how easy it would be to cross the threshold and step into the warmth and comfort of Emma's safe place. 
But at what cost? How would Ted ever find her if she escaped into one of these rooms, into the places beyond? She held out hope that there was still a chance they'd be reunited. This could not be the end. The hallway creaked and groaned and twisted, canting beneath her feet like the deck of a sinking ship. The lights behind her sputtered, one by one, and went dark. There was no going back. If there was any way out of here, it was ahead. The Hall of Choices carried on. Thanks for listening this week. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Who's Afraid as much as we enjoy bringing it to you. Remember to come back next week or subscribe at SerialAudio.com so you never miss a new episode. You can learn more about this podcast and other serialized fiction shows by visiting our website at SerialAudio.com. That's all one word, SerialAudio.com, where you can subscribe to this and our other shows via RSS, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast players. While you're at it, if you're enjoying this podcast, we'd love it if you'd share it with your friends. Even better, if you have a few spare seconds, leave a review on iTunes. To help support this show, sign up as a patron at patreon.com slash serial audio. You'll get early access to episodes ad-free and special bonuses like behind-the-scenes author and narrator interviews. Thank you again from all of us at SerialAudio.com. It's totally binge-worthy.